Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Matthew, it's good to be on the show with you this week. Yeah. Glad to be here. Yeah, we got a lot, a uh, lot going on in the world, as we all know, and um, you know. But we're marching on to fall. It's nice to have a, you know, we had some mornings where it was like sixty degrees out this, this whenever we got up, and that was, uh, it's been nice. Yeah, to grab a light jacket in the mornings, it does, has been very nice. Yeah, although we had a hot day or two, you know. But I think uh, I'm hoping that's over with. I'm mm. knocking on wood here, so yeah. I think <laughs> fall might be here to stay. That's right. And you know, which makes you think of football, you it know, does. it's fall season, right? And football season's well underway. Um, you know, Clemson's hanging in there, kind of, you know, getting getting it done, but not yeah. really exciting. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. They're, they've think, had a good good think, good year so far. Got a good got, game this week. I think weekend. they got Wake Forest. Wake Forest. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good, good game. be a hard game. Yeah. 12 o'clock. Yeah. 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 And Carolina, you got your guys, man, they have a hard they have a really hard schedule going in. It's a hard schedule, but you know you need a good team even with that. So it's 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 going to be a hard year. It's going to be a rough year. Yeah, they got seven teams, I think, in the top twenty-five. They're playing, so okay. that could be a little brutal. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's just life in the SEC, yeah, right? That's right. Um, you guys that's right. are. I feel for you. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it should be fun. We got the Presidents Cup going on for golf. You know? Yeah, that's right. That's this weekend, right? Yes, this weekend. Okay. Yeah, okay. playing right now. Right now. Oh wow. Uh, okay. We're right now being Friday. Right. When this airs right, when you're listening to this. Yes. Um, yeah, in the U.S., you know, usually wins the President's Cup, right? Because mm. that's against the internationals, and it's a little bit weaker than sure. the Ryder Cup uh, Europeans. Right. And so, um, yeah, they're projected to, to win handily. We'll see. You yeah. Never, you never know. Yeah, that'd be that'd be fun. It should be fun. Yeah, nice. absolutely. But speaking of fun, we have uh, some interesting topics, fun topics, I think. Um, well, well, taxes aren't so fun, but... <laughs> The year-end tax moves you can do to lower taxes. That's that fun. That is fun. You're right. That's fun. So we're going to talk about that because, you know, it is getting to be that time. We're approaching fourth quarter of the year here. And there's some things you need to do before the end of the year to help lower your tax bill for next year. Mm. Some opportunities, perhaps. So we're going to go through some of those. And, uh, yeah, you want to pay attention to that because, you know, it's never fun to pay more taxes than you could have. Yeah, that's right. And this next article is also... Not fun on the surface, but it's talking about deceased relatives. Uh, but specifically, if there is unclaimed money from deceased relatives, that should go to you. And we're going to go through kind of how you can look for that on some websites. Found money. Hey, there's nothing yeah. more fun than that. That's right. So, Find a $20 go. bill in your pocket. It's it's a fun day. There you go. That's so, right. Yeah, that's a, that'll be a really good topic. Um, by the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 27 years experience in financial planning and investment advice. And I'm Matthew Travis. I'm also a certified financial planner and am an advisor here at the firm. Yeah, we're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday morning. Um, So you can uh, go to our show just right right through the website there or for iTunes. Um, You can access it, but we have a lot of information on our website. Do check us out at moneymd.net. and that links to our main website, um, which there's a lot of uh, uh, tools out there, financial yep. planning tools and um, Social Security tools and all kind of calculators yep. and stuff. So, yeah, and you can send us your questions, too. We'd love to hear from you, um, and we will talk about those right here on the show. And we're going to start off here, though, with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, and this is from Kiplinger. Um, according to a 2019 report from Harvard's Joint Center for Housing Studies, 
Uh, 46% of homeowners ages 65 to ages uh, age 79 have yet to pay off their home mortgage. And, and this is something mm. that we often quote in meetings with clients, you know, about, about 50% of retirees go into retirement with a mortgage. Yeah, that, that's a lot. You know, I mean, um, that's the one thing you really need to have done before you get to retirement is have all your debt paid off. Right. Um, Obviously, most people, do, a lot, half the people don't get that done. Right. Um, but if you do, it just gives you so much more flexibility. Right. Kind of lowers the anxiety in retirement, lets you enjoy the golden years without the stress that comes from knowing if something happens, you know, you, you got this mortgage payment you got to make. Yeah, it just frees up a lot of your monthly income as well. I mean, if, you, if you don't have a $1,500 mortgage payment, My you know, that $6,000 a month from your retirement sources goes a lot further. Yeah, I mean, that would be a lot of extra travel if right. you can get an extra $1,500 a month. That's right. So, That's right. You know, so if you want to live a life like nobody else, you know, as Dave Ramsey says, um, yeah, in retirement, you need to get your mortgage paid off. So, you know, figure out how much you got left on your retirement, annuitize that over the next number of years you have left to retirement, and, you know, on your mortgage, annuitize right. that, and plan to have it totally paid off by retirement. That's... That's kind of the, the, you know, the goal here. Yeah, for um, sure. That make a huge difference. So good fact of the week. And that leads us up here to our first topic, and that is year-end tax moves. Um, this comes from a Wall Street Journal article very recently from Tom Herman. Um, but Matthew, yeah, I mean, tax season might seem like a long way off, you know, but um, as summer comes to the end, I mean, it's it's right around the corner, it really. Um, you know, we're heading to the fourth quarter here very quickly, and so it's smart to start thinking about and making those year-end tax moves sooner rather than later. And there can be some great benefits to catching it early and doing those moves now that the market is significantly mm. down. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there are a few things to consider when it comes to your investments as well. So we're going to talk about that. The first one we want to talk about, though, is tax loss harvesting and uh yeah, I mean, if you own individual stocks or bonds in some type of self-directed after-tax account, then you might have significant losses, which can be realized this year, you know, particularly with markets being down. Mm. And even though markets are down this year, you know, a lot of investors may be able to soften the blow um, and transfer those, those, transform those summer lemons into lemonade, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, you know, you want to do some of your... Um, you want to look at some of those stocks and bonds that are underwater now, um, if you have some, and if so, consider selling them, especially if you're thinking of dumping them anyway, you know, for, you know, good investment right. reasons. So as painful as the, the kind of so-called tax loss harvesting might sound, realizing those losses now, getting that money diversified, reinvested, um, is a really valuable when it comes to offsetting realized gains later on or even ordinary income. Yeah, and just to clarify, that's not an IRA. That's not retirement accounts. That's right. it's going to be like a brokerage account or some, like you said, after-tax account. Good point. With that, so, but yeah, investors typically can deduct as much as three thousand dollars of realized net losses each year uh, from their uh, ordinary income sources, including wages. Uh, that's the limit for married couples uh, filing jointly as well as for singles. It's fifteen hundred if you're married uh, filing separately. Uh, excess amounts gets they they get carried over into the future. So let's say you had five thousand dollars of losses, 
you could, you know, if you're married filing jointly, you could deduct three thousand off of your ordinary income, and then that two thousand would be carried over into the next year, if you know, if you if you carry that over. Um, but you do want to be beware of the wash sale rule, uh, which is basically selling a security that's uh, the same or substantially similar. 30 days before or after uh, you actually make the sale for the loss. If you do, you know, happen to do the wash sale rule, uh, basically the loss is just voided um, and it's not able to be deducted off your income. So, you know, being aware of that substantially similar investments and not buying in directly after, but maybe waiting, you know, four or five or six weeks and then buying back in could be a way to do that. But tax loss harvesting is a great way to take advantage of the markets when they're not, not too happy. Yeah, and for most people, I would just say buy something totally different, you know, right. different fund, right. something that's mutual fund. Yeah, right. yeah, something that's diversified. So, so that's a good one. Um, another one though is bunching charitable donations. You know, um, many donors don't really start thinking about, much less even making their annual contributions until late in the year. Um, sometimes as late as December, but you know, it's smart to start thinking about that now and about whether 2022 is a beneficial year for tax purposes <clears throat> to bunch your charitable contributions mm. together along with other deductions in this year. Um, so you can put two years in one, you know what I mean? And then, and then kind of skip a year, right. which is a little awkward, I guess, if you're, you know, trying to give regularly to an organization um, or church. But uh, having said that, it's a powerful tool if you can take a, uh, standard deduction mm. in the year that you don't make those dis- distributions. And then in the year you make the contributions, you can take the itemized deduction. Right. So, uh, so for example, you know, if you itemize your deductions in 2022 this year and you take the standard deduction for 2023, consider making especially large charitable gifts this year, bunching them into this year rather than next year when they wouldn't be deductible. Um, or you can plan to take the standard deduction for this year and then itemize next year and then consider mm. delaying your deduction, your contributions to January um, for this year and then doubling them up next year in 2023. Mm. That's good. So, yeah, also thinking about how to make gifts to your favorite charities. Uh, many taxpayers who itemize their deductions may benefit uh, significantly by donating stocks and other securities that have risen sharply in value and that they have owned for more than a year in a taxable account. Donors typically can deduct the market value of their gifts and avoid owing taxes on those long-term capital gains. Likewise, if your stocks or other securities are down, this might be the year to give cash uh, and to leave those securities alone uh, and, and to do the tax loss harvesting, if that makes sense uh, for your situation. But uh, the, the key is to not procrastinate. Timing is important in years like this when there's a lot of volatility. Uh, any moves you make can can take a week or two to process depending on the complexity of what you're trying to accomplish. So kind of having that vision for your stocks and saying, hey, the markets are are down. Let's let's think through this. Hey, the markets are up. You know, maybe we we donate, you know, some of these stocks to to charities. Yeah. Okay. That's that's good, no doubt. Um another one is Roth conversions, you know, and we talk about this quite a bit. Um, so a lot of listeners might have heard this before, but Still, now that markets are substantially negative territory again, you know, we keep going through these phases where markets right. recover some like they did in July, in July, and then now they dropped off again here in these last two months. Um, but you, you have another chance to do the Roth conversion while markets are down and pay less tax on the shares you convert while um, allowing them then to recover in a tax-free environment mm-hmm. in a Roth. 
Um, you know, it's really a no-brainer if you're in a good situation to to do Roth conversions. In general, you want to consider Roth conversion if you have a large pre-tax IRA or 401k and you're not likely going to be in a lower tax bracket later on in retirement. Um, for example, if you just retired and you find yourself in a 12% bracket um, because you don't have as much income and you, maybe you haven't started Social Security yet, then this might be a perfect time to consider a Roth conversion. Um, you know, not only will you be able to convert um, some pre-tax to after <clears throat> to after tax, mm-hmm. um, tax-free in a lower bracket, um, but you also will be able to pay less tax by converting it in a down market. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a double win in the right situation. Yeah, that's great. And we do uh, quite a number of Roth conversions for clients. So yeah, uh, that is that is a good good uh, thing for clients. Tool. Uh, another um, another tool, another tax uh, end of the year planning is QCDs, Qualified Charitable Distributions. If you're over age 70 and a half, then gifting to charities out of your IRA can actually be an easy way to get an extra tax benefit. Uh, you have until the end of the year um, to gift up to $100,000 um, per person to a charity directly from your IRA. And it can count for your RMD for those who are over 72. A QCD uh, will allow you to bypass the itemized deductions required um, to have that tax advantage um, from giving from a taxable account, which means that you still get to have the standard deduction. And essentially what it's doing is the QCD is bypassing your income, so it's going directly from your IRA to a charity. So you still get the standard deduction, but you're not taxed on that distribution from your IRA. So this is really uh, a slam dunk for anyone who is charitably inclined and doesn't have enough deductions to itemize. Um, you know, the standard deduction this year is is close to 26000 I think it's 25900 for a yeah. married married couple. Uh, so many people in retirement um, cannot exceed that level of deduction. So this uh, can really be a great opportunity to have that double tax benefit, both the, the standard deduction and given to a charity from pre-tax money. Yeah, that's right. Tax-free out of an <clears throat> IRA. Yeah, so that's, that's great. great. Yeah, no doubt. Another one is um, retirement plan contributions. You know, that's something to certainly consider now that we're approaching the fourth quarter. Um, it's it's a great time to make sure you're on track to max out your retirement plan contributions by year end um, if you have the cash flow to do that. So for 401ks, you know, the limit is $19,500 for employee deferrals. If you're under age 50 with another $7,000 catch-up contribution for anyone over 50. So you want to make sure you're on track to max that out, if at all possible, this year. Um, and with markets being down this year, you know, it's probably a great time to max it out early and, you know, get money in while markets are down. So if you're in control of that process, um, you know, and the timing of when you put money in um, and you have the cash flow to do that, then now might be a great time to finish out the funding for this year. And the same goes for IRA or Roth contributions. If you have enough to earn income and you can contribute up to the $6,000 um, if you're under 50 and 7000 if you're over 50, you can do that to a Roth IRA or to a regular IRA this year. Then, uh, you know, go ahead and complete that contribution if possible while markets are down. And if you, if you don't have the cash um, but you have an after-tax investment account to pull from, then it's worth doing it now so that you can get that money recovering um, and growing inside of a tax-advantaged account like a Roth. Um, 
So you might even be able to realize some losses in an after-tax account or a brokerage account while you do that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then those funds now get to be invested, um, you know, in a tax-free environment. So yeah. it's yeah. a great tool. Yeah, after-tax is, is a wonderful concept and can can be very good. Uh, this this last one, uh, this, this next one is uh, tax payments. It's a great idea to review your tax withholding as we enter the fourth quarter of the year. And we think uh, of tax time as April 15th. Uh, but taxes are actually due as income is earned. And employers have become the country's primary tax collectors by withholding taxes from our paychecks. When you retire or become self-employed, uh, you break out of that system. And so now it's up to you to make sure that the IRS gets its tax when it's due. If you wait to send a check until the following year when your tax is due, um, you may be in for a nasty surprise in the form of penalties and interest um, You know, if you have not with, withheld enough. Uh, so it's really important to go ahead and catch up with your tax payments if necessary uh, to avoid that penalty. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you have two ways really to get that done. I mean, withholding is the first one, and it, it isn't only for paychecks. I mean, if you receive regular payments from a 401k plan or a pension or Social Security, then, you know, you can have tax withheld from those. And unless you tell them not to, um, they generally will withhold some tax. Um, and the same goes for withdrawals from an IRA. Um, you know, in retirement, it's generally up to you, though, to make sure that you're withholding enough to avoid a penalty. And also for Social Security, I mean, you have to elect to have some withholding, and that stretches out your tax bill over the entire year rather than you having to pay it all, you know, next April. Um, so even if you don't have a penalty, it, it's kind right. of better to spread it out most of the time. So for many retirees and self-employed people, it's just – easier, um, <clears throat> makes life easier than to make the quarterly estimated tax payments, which is the other option. Um, <laughs> you can do quarterly estimated tax payments um, instead of withholding, um, but you'll need to make estimated payments if you owe more than $1,000 in tax for the year, um, above and beyond what's covered from your withholding. Otherwise, you could face a penalty for underpayment of taxes um, unless you paid in at least 90% of this year's obligation or 100% of the previous year's obligation for most people. So um, so you want to penalty-proof yourself. You want to withhold enough or make quarterly estimated payments to get you above that 90% of this year's tax burden mm. or at least 100% of last year's burden. Right. That gets it done for most people. So anyway, as we head into the fourth quarter next month, you know, now would be a great time to position yourself well um, for next year's tax situation um, for 2023 and yeah. beyond. So, yeah. yeah, take a look at all your tax situation and make sure you can, you're can you in best position that you possibly can be heading into next year. Absolutely. All right, and that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, and this question uh, is a good question. Um, it's this. We have multiple grandkids, and we would like to help fund their college. Should my husband and I open a 520, open 529 accounts ourselves or should our kids uh, and we contribute to their accounts through them? So it's essentially saying, hey, we're grandparents. We want to contribute to our grandkids. Should we open up the accounts or should our grandkids' parents or our, our children do that and we just contribute to the accounts through them? Yeah, that's a great question. In fact, um, you know, it's, it's really a tax question, though. It's a question of who gets the deduction for making contributions to it. Um, you have to be the owner to get the deduction. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if you're, if the parent, my default would generally be keep life simple, 
you know, put the burden of managing that in right. on the parents back, you know, and, and let them be the ones, because they're the ones that are have to make the payment to the college and mm -hmm. it's got to come straight out of there and go directly to the college. So there's some effort involved in that. Right. You know? So as a grandparent, you probably don't want to get involved in that process if you can avoid it. Mm -hmm. So my default would be open it in the parent's name, let them deal with that. And, but they will get the tax deduction but for the you state, know, right. for the state, mm -hmm. but you know, the chances are they they might be in a different state anyway, and it really needs to be a state that, that, that they live in. And so that'd be my default. But having said that, if you're going to put, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in there and the deduction is really important to you mm -hmm. at the state level, then sure, that's fine. You could open a, an account, 529 account in your own state, mm -hmm. um, for the benefit of your grandchildren, children, and, um, and then you could make the contribution, get the deduction at the state level, um, <clears throat> and then you could eventually transfer that account to the parents mm -hmm. as the owner. Um, so, so there's several ways to do it. There's no perfect answer. It depends on your tax situation. But in general, I would default to shifting that on the parents. Yeah, keeping it simple too. I think that's. Yeah. I think a lot of clients will will relate to that. Yeah, no doubt. Sure. So, good good question. All right, and that leads us up here to our next topic, and that is. Unclaimed money from uh, deceased relatives, or really from anybody, for that <laughs> matter. Yeah, I mean, do you have some lost money out there? That's a great question to to ask and look at. Yeah, and this article comes from Smart Asset, and it's really just asking, hey, you know, if you're if you're receiving an inheritance, whether it's expected or unexpected, uh, that can really help your financial outlook. Um, but through poor oversight or lack of planning, an inheritance could be temporarily displaced, and it's possible. Uh, that you have unclaimed money from deceased relatives uh, that you may not even know about. But how do you find it? Uh, what happens to you if you don't find it? Uh, if you suspect that you may have unclaimed money left behind by relatives, it is important to know what steps you um, can take to track it down. Um, so can you claim unclaimed money from deceased relatives is the first question. The short answer is, is yes, you can. Uh, if you believe you're entitled to money left behind by a deceased relative, uh, then you can make a legal claim to it under the inheritance laws of your states. Um, the types of financial assets that may be available to claim include uh, bank accounts, real estate, vehicles, uh, CDs, bonds, stocks, retirement accounts, insurance policies, annuities, safe deposit boxes, royalties, utility uh, deposits. There's a lot that can be yeah. you know, displaced temporarily. So this is a really good article um, for you to be aware of. Yeah, I mean, if you go on some of these websites like missingmoney.com and you put in your name, you know, or your your last name, you might be shocked to see how many relatives come up. Right. People that you know that have missing money out there somewhere, mm. um, supposedly, you know, and then you have to go through a process to see if it's real. Mm. But um, but it, I did that, you know, and, and I knew probably had, there's probably 30 people, 30 cases came up. Wow. And I probably knew the person, you know, that was listed in half of them because wow. Margaret's a pretty strange name. Margaret, yeah. And, right. uh, but I checked on one that actually looks looked like it was money that we might, you know, came from my grandmother sure. who's passed away that we might uh, be entitled to. And, um, and then it led you to the state's website. Okay. And the state's website didn't show that money. Okay, so, so that's the official is the state. The state's state. the official, okay. yeah. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, you have, that's a great process to go through and uh, just type in your name. And yeah, in some cases, I mean, you may be named, you know, the beneficiary of an asset, you know, for instance, your parents might've had a, a life insurance policy, you know, 
uh, <clears throat> naming you or your grandparents in that case. Um, and you'd automatically be able to claim those proceeds, you know, the policy, regardless of the state's inheritance laws. Um, so eventually that money gets turned over, though, if nobody claims it. And that's where it ends up on these missing money type, um, <clears throat> you know, accounts mm-hmm. uh, for states. Um, so filing a claim for, you know, life insurance policy um, that you're the beneficiary of usually means that, you know, you present proof of your identity as well as a death certificate for the insured. And uh, so if you haven't obtained that yet, then, you, then you'd need to do that first. Make sure right. you have a death certificate. Um, but other types of accounts that you can be named beneficiaries on include IRAs, 401ks, um, TOD accounts or payable and death right. accounts, trust. Um, so the only time you wouldn't be able to automatically claim an asset or unclaimed money is if your relative specifically named someone okay. else to receive that, you know, in their will. Mm. And they didn't list you as a beneficiary. Um, so if the will is legally valid, valid, then, you know, you you wouldn't be able to claim that unless you challenged it in court. Um, you know, the judge has to decide in that case. So, but yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly worth going out there and researching that. Yeah, and and so you know, how does this happen? Just you know, a couple reasons it could happen is maybe a parent pulled out a policy, life insurance, and didn't tell you about it, and you didn't know. Um, you know, also you can open up a bank account when you're older, and if you have dementia or Alzheimer's, you might just forget about it, and that is a very uh, common place as well. Um, but the good news is money doesn't just disappear. Essentially, what happens is after a certain number of years, a custodian is required to um, give these assets that are not claimed to the state and each state has different laws, but then the state holds it until someone claims it. So it is important to go on you know, these missing money sites uh, or to the state directly and, and ask and say, hey, are there any missing monies from that standpoint? But it is, it is more common than you might think. Yeah, absolutely. And every state does have its own website for missing money. So if you just put in, type in Google search, missing money, Georgia, you know, you will, you will see that site come right. up and you can click on it. You can type in your last name and you can narrow it down to, you know, your family and see if, uh, you know, anybody has money that's missing. And, and usually you'll see something come up mm. I mean, for somebody, you know, some deposit for the utility deposit or something <laughs> they didn't get back when they moved one time or Something weird like that. Um, but yeah, there's missingmoney.com is the most common website to kind of get to the catch-all for all the states mm-hmm. that you can go on. And then it's going to lead you, if you find one, it's going to lead you to the state's website for the definitive answer on that. Um, so yeah, it's a really, really good uh, good tool. Yeah. Um, and, and there is just, you know, if you aren't very, um, you know, tech-friendly, you can go and, and look for unclaimed money and, you know, uh, at the state treasurer's office. Um, you may be able to have a specific division set up for just unclaimed assets. They may have that specific division set up for unclaimed assets uh, that can help you. You can also look on tax records and it won't be an exact match, but you can say, hey, was there something that they owned that you know maybe didn't have a, a, you know, a deed that we're aware of that we can go and look into that. So you know, these are some different options if you're not you know, very tech friendly that you can, you can go on and look. Um, but, you know, I, I, one encouragement would be to consider beforehand to avoid a situation uh, where you're trying to have to locate unclaimed money is by talking to your parents about their estate plan right. uh, and really asking, hey, you know, is there a roadmap that we can have, you know, myself, my siblings, we can have to say, yeah. hey, this is where the bank accounts are. This is where the life insurance policy is. This is where the deed to the house is um, and really serving 
the next generation well if you're older to to provide that to them and and really to take the the fear of talking about money with with family out of it because right. this can be very stressful for for family members if they don't have that roadmap. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, it's a great exercise to go through um, to to check on missing money um, just to to make sure. And but like you said, I mean, checking with your your parents and just making sure they have beneficiaries listed on everything and they have a plan for where everything's right. going to go is the key. And you want to do that for yourself too. You know, if you if you you know, if you move too, you want to make sure you change your address on all your accounts, or you're, you're going to have something that ends up in that category, right? Um, eventually, so just you know, just kind of do an inventory of everything you have and make sure they have, you know, proper addresses on them, and you have uh, beneficiaries listed, and um, and then you can go to missingmoney.com and see yeah. if you got any free money out there. Yeah, that's right. Those yeah. were uh, those are fun articles, right? Absolutely, they? And they were a lot of fun, <laughs> a lot of fun. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So. It leads us right up to our uh, our fun closing here, which is the prescription of the week. And for that, for those of you who love Christmas, Christmas is right around the corner, surprisingly. Um, but the prescription is to start saving for Christmas. We know uh, that some people get to Christmas and have not saved and they go into a lot of debt. And so really thinking through, hey, you have three months until Christmas. Can you start setting aside a little bit from your paycheck every month to build up that Christmas fund? So then when Christmas comes... You're not stressed. It's not a you know financial emergency. You get to pay for it with the funds that you've been saving. Absolutely, and make a list too. Make a list of you know what gifts you're going to buy and how much you're going to spend. So you kind of have a budget for Christmas. So it just doesn't get out of hand, right? You know, and of course you can draw names, which we do in our family. Yeah, kind of limit idea. how many of those you have to do. Sure. So a lot of techniques we'll talk about later in the year. Okay. But okay. you know, Look for now. To those. Yeah, but for now, yeah, absolutely. Um, start saving for Christmas. Start putting some money aside so you don't end up in that category of having to use credit cards or something. Good prescription of the week. All right, and that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week. There are more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net, and send us your questions. Um, you can link to us there, or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706 739 0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your week. Material in this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment tax or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. All hosts are representatives of Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.